I, I do think that last summer they were looking into who could be their next head coach. I think among the coaching fraternity, it wasn't a secret that the Canucks were thinking about, okay, if not Bruce, then who? Or who could be our long-term person? 7.05 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour two of the program. We're now five minutes into it. Hour two is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. Okay, set the stage here for this hour of Halbro. We're going to do an open segment here. We're going to talk Canucks, talk tonight's opponent, the Buffalo Sabres. Then at 7.30, uh, we will have set the table appropriately for Paul Hamilton from WGR Radio 550 in Buffalo. Uh, He's going to join us to talk about this Sabres team that got off to a great start. Remember they came through Vancouver? You remember that? You remember that season opener, Jason? How can we forget? Yeah, I was at Elton John. It was a great it was a great concert. Right. The Buffalo Sabres weren't there. They were kicking the teeth of the Vancouver Canucks in. And that was a 5-1 defeat in the opener. It looked like the Sabres were going to take the trajectory of the New Jersey Devils and just rocket ship to the moon, this good young team. But after getting to 7-3 and three on the season, the Sabres have now lost five in a row, and they're at 7-8 and eight going into tonight hosting the Canucks. So we'll talk to Paul Hamilton at 7.30 about that. Um, I do want to reiterate, because we kind of crammed it in right before we were going to break, the Canucks did make an announcement early this morning, not by their standards because they're out east, but by ours. They've placed Jack Studnika on injured reserve. I don't even think this story is really about Studnika, who has been fine. I suppose Bruce Boudreaux praised him for having good wheels the other day. Uh, he got his first goal as a Canuck. He's a depth forward, but he's now on IR, and the Canucks have recalled William Lockwood from AHL Abbotsford. The reason I bring this up is that on top of everything else that has gone wrong for the Canucks this season, the injuries in the first month have been, I don't want to say alarming, there's just been a lot of them, right? There's now five guys on IR, Not, and I'm not going to count the long-term ones like Michael Furland or Tucker Pullman or anything, but Travis Dermott hasn't, you know, been a factor this year. Uh, Hughes has missed time to injury. Myers, Makayev, you go down the list, on and on and on, and now you've got Lazar and Studnika. Tanner Pearson. Tanner Pearson. It's just been, it's almost been. And Pod Colson's day-to-day now. And I wouldn't be surprised if Pod Colson's not going to play tonight in Buffalo because by all accounts it was not good in the aftermath of the A.J. Greer fight. So it's just this. Again, throw another log on the sad fire. It's just another thing that has gone wrong for this team, and that's why coming back from break, we played another clip asking about the future uh, of Bruce Boudreaux as the head coach because I don't know what happens after this game in Buffalo. There's three days off until they get back home and play again on Friday night. My experience in covering the NHL is this sure seems like an appropriate time to make a coaching change because they like to do it when you've got a gap in the schedule so that you can give your coach a little bit of lead time to implement some things Uh, on game day, but it remains to be seen. All I know is that things are not going well for this team today. And this morning, the Stadnika news, uh, yet another bit of bad news for the Canucks. Uh, Buffalo Sabres, Jason, the Buffalo Sabres are the opponent tonight. Uh, Yeah, the Sabres, as mentioned earlier, have lost five in a row and have fallen to seven, eight, and oh. This is still not a great team. 
Now, as mentioned, one of their wins came over Vancouver back on October 22nd. It was a 5-1 win in Vancouver's home opener. And to be fair to the Sabres recently, four of their last five losses came against pretty good teams in Carolina, Tampa Bay, Vegas, and Boston. But the other loss was to Arizona. So, you know, they're they're scuffling along a, lo- a little bit. And... Uh, uh, Granado, the head coach, was saying the other day, "Is like I'm glad my guys are are angry about this because we brought in some competitive guys, and this is now a competitive team. And I think he was comparing it maybe to seasons past when they would have just been like, yeah, well, we suck. Yeah, right? I mean, the, the goaltending's really come back to earth over the last bit. You look at the, the – here's two things on the Sabres currently. One, uh, those – losses the five consecutive losses all in regulation so not even the consolation loser point to be had from it right yeah and then you look at the scores and it's like well no wonder they're not getting these to overtime just bleeding goals left and right i believe that the last one the 3-1 defeat to boston was actually their tightest defensive effort where they only gave up three goals you're seeing a lot of four or five seven goal against performances not unlike the vancouver canucks i might add well the sabers are still gonna have to figure out their goaltending long term i think everyone knew that going into the season uh i know laddie's an eric Comrie guy but i i think even laddie's probably admitting yeah he's probably not going to be like the future starter of the buffalo sabers if they turn into uh stanley cup contenders um they're still a little ways away but They've got a ton of quality prospects in the pipeline. Hmm. They picked three times in the first round in 2022 because of trades they made with Vegas and also Florida, I think. So Vegas would have been the Eichel trade and Florida would have been the Reinhardt trade. Um, Some rankings I've read have them right at the top of the team prospects rankings. So they rank all the teams in terms of how good their prospects are. The Sabres have been... Number one in some of the rankings, uh, the Canucks have not been. No, in in that ranking, I can't even remember where it was. It was like the hockey writers or something like that. Uh, Buffalo was number one, and Vancouver was number twenty six. Um, the the Sabers may still fail, right? But I think right now they're a better bet than the Canucks are because the Canucks are what we're seeing right now, mm-hmm. and there's not even that. Yeah, but wait till this guy gets here, or wait till. You know, this happens right now. We're just sitting there looking at this team and going, this is it. Like we're, we're tapped out. Like what else we got? Like, you know, their, their call up is, is Lockwood Yeah, from the AHL. So you're kind of like, all right, well, he's probably not going to change things considerably. Um, long-term, I think a team like Buffalo, um, there's optimism, but they still got to get over that hump. They still got to get over that hump of, of, you know, becoming a contender, becoming a winner. And it's hard, especially when you've been losing for as long as this organization has. I'll say this about Buffalo. Um, It is a cautionary tale to a lot of teams about how you can poison the well with a very dedicated and very passionate fan base if you continue to put up an inferior product that's rudderless and, at the end of the day, if you're losing that many hockey games. The fact that Buffalo is... And it's slowly, slowly starting to come back. But the fans responded to a decade of listless, directionless, rudderless hockey by not showing up. Buffalo's attendance numbers cratered. And I know everyone's going to say, well, you have to take the pandemic into account. And you absolutely do. But even prior to that, you could see that Buffalo fans were doing the paper bag over the head. And then after that, it was... I'm not even going to bother cutting holes and a mouth out of this paper bag. I'm just not going to show up. And that is a dangerous thing. We talk about it in Vancouver all the time. 
part of the reason um, that a lot of people are frustrated is because there's still 18,000 people going to Rogers Arena for home games. There's still a fan base that hangs on the day-to-day, minute-to-minute of the Vancouver Canucks. Mm -hmm. The passion has not waned. We have seen apathy creep in, but Buffalo is a really glaring example, and this was really prevalent when we were doing the gig at NBC. Buffalo is not a marquee franchise, but one of the most passionate fan bases in the U.S., right? And part of it is because if you go to Buffalo, there ain't a hell of a lot else to do. It's the Bills, it's the Sabres, and then it's go on vacation, really. So they've got a great fan base in Buffalo. They love, got a, their, they love their bisons. They love their bisons. <laughs> they, they truly do love their bisons. But, I, you know, I, you, you've talked about this before. Uh, if you want to look at a fan base that's really passionate and really enthused and really into their team and then just become despondent over the direction, go east. And now they're starting to climb out of it. But it, you just wonder when they're going to get back to that point where – uh, fans are all, once again 100% on board and really into it. There's a real wait-and-see approach in Buffalo. I know mm-hmm. they're excited about the future. Yeah, once bitten, twice shy kind but of thing, the right? the future's the future. And you got to remember the other thing, too, as I continue to extrapolate on this point. Uh, they thought they had it. When they landed Eichel, yeah. they thought they had the next wave. They stepped on the gas there, signed a bunch of guys. And and that's a tough thing for an organization is to take the team, take the fan base to the depths that they went to where remember, prior to the McDavid-Eichel lottery, Arizona and Buffalo played in a game where, and we don't talk about this enough, but the Buffalo Sabres fans were openly cheering for the Arizona Coyotes to win a game on their home ice in Buffalo because they knew it would tank them further and give them a better chance to get McDavid or Eichel. It was one of the weirdest things I ever remember covering because there were it was a full-blown cheer. Mm-hmm. When the when the Coyotes that happened in Vancouver as well, did it not? I want to say a few times during not a couple like of, this during a couple of the tankier seasons, there were fans openly cheering. There might have been a one or two fans, but this was like a collective coordinated effort. Yeah. Like it sounded like there was a home like the game whole arena was in on it. Kind yeah, of. yeah, I think the goal horn went off. Yeah, the <laughs> score. yeah. that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> there was smoke coming out of the scoreboard. Uh, but that's that. That is a very very tough moment for an organization. So anyway, they got to those depths. The fan base got dragged down that low. And then they were pulled out of it when they got Eichel. That was the savior. Temporarily. And then everything. So imagine that. You go, the the depths and the lows of, okay, we're this bad, but we're going to draft our franchise salvation and superstar. Mm-hmm. And then they draft Eichel. And then, not long after, they get a generational defenseman in Darlene. So now you've got the two cornerstone pieces for a franchise. And then everything with Eichel went so bad and so toxic and so sour. So what's the conclusion of that? Is the conclusion, there could be a, a couple of options. Um, is the conclusion that culture matters? It matters yes. a lot. Uh, the, and my conclusion from it always was that um, it is exceptionally more difficult to bring guys along in a losing environment than you think. Mm-hmm. That just because you draft really high-end prospects and just because you get them into the NHL, if you surround them with losing, it's going to take its toll. Yeah. Eichel's first five or six years in the NHL, quite frankly, were wasted. They were. we're all, and I know Laddie's got some thoughts on Jack Eichel. But look at what he's doing now in Vegas when he's surrounded by good players. He's playing great hockey. You can't ignore it. I don't have a Jack Eichel comment, but I found a clip. <laughs> okay. I found a clip of the fans after that goal that you're talking oh, about. Oh, beautiful. Play it. <laughs> this is from the, the crowd. It's not from the broadcast, but it gives you a good idea. Yeah! 
That's in Buffalo after the Coyote score. <laughs> right. So it sounds weird because there's no goal horn and there's no uh, music being played, right? Usually you hear a home team score and all those things go in sequence. But this was just, they were running. Yeah! Hey, we lost. Yeah! It's a bad place for a fan base to be in. It is a very tough thing to turn around a team. Exceptionally. Because you got some forces that are pulling you towards the losing, and that force is the natural cycle of things. And if you lose, you get high draft picks. Mm -hmm. But then you've got that other force that you've just been talking about and the one that the Canucks had been wary of, Mm -hmm. which is why they tried to remain competitive. And remember we heard that? Quite often in the in the early years of the Benning Linden, we don't we want our players to develop in a winning environment. Yeah, I I, I think there's a lot of merit to that, and a lot of people that. Just, so how do you balance those? Can you? Is it impossible? No, you well. Here's the thing: you need to make sure that your window of I don't want to call it like window of failure, but when you when you stink, it has to be a short window. So the the Rangers, for example. Jeff Gorton penned that letter to the Rangers season ticket base and essentially said there's going to be pain. Mm -hmm. The key is you can't have the pain go for a very long time. It was the same thing in Toronto. Babcock said we're going to stink. They didn't stink that long. You know the difference with Toronto, though, and and probably Montreal right now, is that Toronto still had some good young players. Like Toronto had Morgan Riley and uh, Nazem Kadri. Montreal, and, and probably some other guys that I'm forgetting about. Montreal has Suzuki. Um, you know, they've got, they've got veterans like Brendan Gallagher that are there. So, yeah, but I'm not saying you can emulate anybody because every situation and circumstance is different, Yeah, but there's, uh, I think it's across the league. You can say it is a dangerous thing to bring young, impressionable learning players into an environment where all that they know is losing. Yeah. And in this case in Vancouver, well, one, there's no one really coming in because the, the pipeline is so dry. But two, um, it goes just beyond losing on a nightly basis. Because there's other teams in the NHL that have had terrible starts to the season. St. Louis was one of them. Yeah, they're St. turning Louis, things around. There was a difference in terms of toxicity. And the big thing for Vancouver right now that's hanging over this team, I think, on the day-to-day is the divide between management and coaching. Mm-hmm. Like when When St. Louis was going through it, uh, out came Doug Armstrong, the general manager, and made it pretty clear that this was 100% on the players, and he stuck by Barube. Whether he believed it publicly, who knows. But, you know, I kind of tried to talk it into existence that Barube might be on the chopping block, but Doug Armstrong never gave any credence to it. He's like, mm-hmm. this is on the players. He went and met with the players. What's going on in Vancouver is a lot different, and now you look at it, and the young guys that are still learning their craft, I'd say three really matter. Uh, Pod Colson, Hoaglander, and Rathbone, you could make a pretty solid argument that this is a bad environment for them to figure out how to be NHL players. Totally. It's so dysfunctional. Because, again... And there's so much negativity surrounding the team. Like, what happened to Pod Colson in Boston, it just wasn't good. I'm I'm happy that he stuck up for himself. And he'll probably, at the end of the day, will have learned a valuable lesson. Namely, one of them is, like, don't fight A.J. Greer. But that's that situation was born out of frustration and being pissed off. Yeah. And in the, and I go back to the aftermath of it is after green Greer, sorry, tuned up pod Colson. Once again, it was left to Luke Shen to try and make amends for it. Mm -hmm. Right. There was nobody else. And you can say those things don't matter, but they kind of do because here's a question for you. Yeah. Uh, Sorry to cut you off. Were you done there? Yes. 
<laughs> yeah, you get, get a house, a, house boarding, boarding story who's going to follow up. Here's, a, here's a question for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's say Talkit becomes the head coach. Yeah. How much would he want to change the mix of this group? Talkit is old school. Yep. Like if you go to his stats when he was a flyer, he scored lots of goals. He also had like – 200 penalty minutes he was, regularly. He was, like, a, he was a tough He was an old school player. guy. And the players wouldn't like him, but, which but, is good. But, but, yeah. Well, no, he's a player's coach, though. That's yeah. that's a funny thing about it. But O'Yell didn't like him. Players not named Ekman Larson. Yeah, there are stories say. about Tockett and O'Yell in practice, and apparently Tockett was trying to demonstrate boxing out and hit hit O'Yell. Like, not punched him, but like, like body checked him. And OEOL wasn't expecting it, and Tockett was like, yeah, he wasn't very happy with me for that. And yeah. apparently he did the same thing to, uh, I don't know, some other coyote. But, like, he's he's pretty— Like a player, not an actual coyote. Not a, not a real coyote. Right. No, no, they—, they no, That no, would be strange. That, that would be, be extremely strange. So is that the 40 chess move, bringing Tockett so OEL requests a trade? Well, yeah, but he can request a trade all he wants. I love that you always go <laughs> right? to the, the what's what's really happening here. Is this a stealth tank for Bedard? Exactly. Is this a way to move OEL? I'm asking out? the real questions here. Uh, I don't. I put it this OEL, way. OEL like requests a trade, and the Rutherford and Alvin are like, oh, we'll get right to that. Like we'll probably get multiple firsts, right? Like that's weird. Nobody's asking for him. <laughs> stroking their evil beards and petting their evil cats are like good. All the GMs hang good. up when I bring up yeah. his name. Contractual <laughs> anger here. Get your contractual. Anchor, yeah, yeah. I uh, shotgun. <laughs> we, get, we developed a new term for this. It's contractual anchor. Um, I don't know if they even care if there's. A, I'm pretty sure there's a, almost every coach in the NHL has some lingering issues with players in and around the league. It's almost unavoidable at this point that you're gonna run into a guy. You're like, I ran a foul. But isn't he a hard nosed work your ass off type of coach? Talk, talk like, it, yeah, yeah. So that, that's what I was just saying to Bruff, like. Would he not then make the players work that much harder, and they would maybe start to hate him for it? In well, a good, I think he just, in a good way. I think in some ways he'd hate the mix of the team too. Yeah, like mm-hmm. you just look at this team and go, this team is too soft for the style of game that I want to play. Right. Um. So I don't know. I mean, he played. We Luke don't Shen even fifty minutes a night. Well, <laughs> I, I we, we don't even know that Rick Talkett is on the radar. I think a lot of people are just trying to connect dots here. Uh, Rick Talkett is still on the TNT broadcast. Which is right? a plum gig. You get to just sit much around. less stressful job, probably. Yeah, right. Yeah, but I'm sure he wants to get back in. I, you know, he's the been co- a, he's been a coach for a long time. Like I didn't realize he had that many stops. I forgot he was a head coach in Tampa Bay. Yeah, that didn't go very well for either. a couple of years. But that was back in the the Oren Cools day, where yeah. the, their ownership was all out of whack and everything else. I think if you look at it, and again, I'll go back to the central theme that we had right off the top of the show, talking about this organization and the coaching thing. If management firmly believes that this season can be salvaged and turned around, and I... I don't think they do. Okay, then don't bother hiring Tockett. It's a waste of time and it's well, a waste unless of he, time. Well, un- unless he's your guy, and he's your guy going forward. The timing for me is huge, and the alignment is huge. If, if you're ready to make a commitment to a coach and you can get your guy, then bring him in now. Sure. But if you're settling for someone because you feel like you have to make a change because this season is just going off the rails, then think very carefully because you don't want to further complicate the situation. In hindsight, bringing in Brudreau before bringing in Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin very much complicated this situation, especially with the contract that was given to Boudreau and the communication between whoever, because Rutherford admitted uh, on the broadcast, he's like, I thought it was a one-year deal for Bruce, but apparently it's a two-year deal. 
and no surprise really that we have this situation right now where we've got Jim Rutherford publicly running down the head coach. He's not his guy. No. So the most important thing is get your guy because you got to have everyone aligned. You got to have everyone on the same page. Remember back that we've been doing way too much of the back in the day, but like Mike Gillis and Alain Vigneault had that summit. They went down to Vegas and I don't know, had Vegas wives or something like that. They saw the Cirque du Soleil. Yeah, they saw the Cirque together or whatever. But they, 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 you know, Mike Gillis was trying to determine, am I going to keep this guy as a head coach? I want to talk to him. I want to talk about what I want to do. And AV got on board and they had a very successful partnership together. Yeah. That's what you need. You can have arguments between the GM and the head coach. You can't have these wide philosophical differences. Or frankly, you know what it is at this point? It's a lack of respect. Like there is no respect between management and the head coach. Right. It's and quite I, clear. And and you bring up a good point about bringing someone into this mess. If Tockett's their guy, that's great. Bringing him into this mess, that'd be great. They could always just have a a deal right at the ready. Just put it in a, in a, a, a drawer somewhere and have a contract ready and then say, you know what, Rick, like you're our guy. Maybe just not right now, though. You can wait till the end of the year. They've got, an, they've got the most interim-y of interim head coaches in Mike Yo. Like Mike Yo's name tag shouldn't say Mike Yo. It should say interim. That's just what he's there for. And you could do that. You could get through the season. You could play out the string. It's crazy we're saying this 16 games in to an 82-game season, but that's where we're at. And then maybe that's the direction that they go. Uh, the direction that we're going to go, quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk to Paul Hamilton, WGR Radio 550 in Buffalo. We're going to preview tonight's game from Buffalo. It's the Canucks and the Sabres 4 o'clock puck drop. A reminder, you can hear it all right here on Sportsnet 650. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Time now for Sportsnet 650 traffic from the City News 1130 Air Patrol. Hey, Richmond, get on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. We're also brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling, Vancouver's premier metal recycler. Pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Okay, so the Canucks Autism Network has a grand prize draw on right now. The Ultimate Whistler Experience uh, includes a gift card, a Scandinavian spa experience, restaurant, Vessi shoes. Those are waterproof. uh, And a gift card to Arcteryx. Uh, It's a really cool West Coast prize pack. If you want to get in on it, visit them at uh, canucksautism.splashdot.com. We'll get the link up available on some of our social media channels as well. To the phone lines we go. The Canucks are in action tonight in Buffalo. They take on the Sabres. Joining us now, WGR 550 in Buffalo. Paul Hamilton here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Paul. How are you? I wanted to make this as realistic as possible. So we're at the Sabres morning skates. So you're going to hear, hear real hockey sounds in the background here. So, uh, you know, just figured to make it realistic for you. Beautiful. Thank you for the authenticity, Paul. <laughs> this is great. Okay. As you they take to the morning skate right now, 
Um, I'm not sure how far along they are, but morning skates are always tied to who's going to be starting in net and the goaltending. I guess we should start with the Sabres and their goaltending because you can't help but notice. But after getting off to a 7-3 and three start, the Sabres are now 7-8. and eight. They've lost five in a row. And I couldn't help but notice that there's some pretty inflated goals against totals during that five-game losing streak. How's the goaltending been lately? Well, Craig Anderson's been great, and Eric Comrie's trying to find his way as a starter. This is his first year as a starter. As you know, last year he was one of the better backups in the league for the Winnipeg Jets, put up really good numbers in his 19 games. But, you know, he's had some good games, some poor games. Uh, I'm looking at Anderson in the starter's net right now, but it doesn't make sense to me. I actually talked to Don Granato yesterday about it, and they said one of the reasons in his five games he's played so well is because the 41-year-old has been playing rested. You know, they haven't tried to, you know, rush him in, even though he's had the better numbers. They didn't try to, you know, rush him into the lineup and say, well, you got to play this game or whatever. They still want Eric Comrie to be the starter, even though his numbers haven't been great. Anderson just played a very good game against the Boston Bruins uh, on Saturday, and Buffalo has back-to-back. So I thought he would play, but tomorrow's in Ottawa. And as you know, Craig Anderson spent many years in Ottawa, and opened the season here at home against them. So I was thinking he might play in Ottawa. But as I said, he's over in the starters net. We'll see if that uh, holds true, if he actually will be in goal. But I guess that's our first clue. Don Granado does not tell us right. his uh, starting goaltender, so we have to go by clues. Uh, okay, I mentioned that there's five consecutive losses in a row here, none of them going past regulation, so not even a loser point to be gained. Uh, as we do a vibe check, for lack of a better term, on the Sabres, uh, where are they at in terms of mentality and desperation? Because we've seen other teams in the NHL go on these extended losing streaks. Calgary was on one for a while. St. Louis was on one for a while. And there was a real sense of desperation there to snap out of it. Uh, what are the Sabres saying ahead of this game against the Canucks tonight to snap the five-game losing streak? Well, they're starting to get a little bit healthier on the blue line. It's killed them to have Henry Yokiharu and Matias Samuelson onto the lineup, and that's why they're 27th in the league in penalty killing. And, uh, you know, it's it, and their defense hasn't been good either. Samuelson, he came up from Rochester last year, and he's a number two pick. He just fit right in. It was amazing how good he was. And after just 50-some-odd NHL games, he got a, a, a contract extension going to pay him around four and a half million dollars just off of that and i don't think they're going to be sorry to be quite honest i think after um, you know in the middle of that contract they're going to say they have a steal there that's how good he is and he's for the people that don't know he's the son of shell samuelson uh who played many years in the nhl but he just has a huge reach and they really really have missed him he just is on the ice for the first time today he won't play tonight i don't even know if he'll play this week but uh it looked like it was going to be a season ender for them. So they've had that. As you know, they got young players. They've got Paterka and Quinn, who Quinn who's injured right now. This is the first game he won't play. Peyton Krebs. These guys are going to be very, very good hockey players. But they're 19, 20 years old. They're finding their way in the NHL. Some games they look good. Some games they don't. And, you know, that's, that's kind of what they're dealing with right now, young players. Owen Power. The 19-year-old, he's been good. And as I look down, he's going to play with Rasmus Dahlin. The two number overall number one picks are going to be together. And you can tell he just gains confidence as he goes along. Is it perfect? By no means, no. But he just gains that confidence as he goes along. And uh, really, uh, as I would say, has played very well. 
his growth has, I think, been better than the other three forwards. But the, I, I'm telling you, the other three forwards, I mean, Paterka and Quinn were close to 30 goal scorers last year in the AHL. They're going to be good players here in the NHL eventually, kind of like Gage Thompson. Look at how long it took him. He's 24 years old, and uh, he, he, had, he had a career high of eight goals until last year when he scored 38. So, you know, sometimes it just takes time. Yeah, Tage Thompson is a great story. What about Casey Middlestat? Is is he turning into the player that everyone thought he could be? Um, his numbers certainly look better, or at least in this season. Yeah, he has been up and down. It's It's been a bit of a struggle for him. He's been up and down. As you know, he missed most of last season with injury. So he's tried to kind of kick it in this year and, and be better. There are some games he is better. Five on five is where he needs to improve. Most of those points that you see have come on the power play. Uh, five on five is where he needs to be better. Sometimes he's his own worst enemy. And uh, he really sometimes gets down on himself. He can play wing. He can play center. He's played both. He and Krebs both have played both. It depends what Don Granado's mood is, which is going to be on the wing and which is going to be at center. But uh, it's not where it should be yet. Is it getting better? Looks to be, but uh, still not where it needs to be. I guess the center position when it comes to the Sabres is a place of optimism uh, with Tage Thompson, but also, correct me if I'm wrong, but the three guys they took in the first round last year, they were all centers. So you've got those guys coming. You've got Tage Thompson and Casey Middlestad if he keeps getting better. And then on defense, you got two first overall picks. Like At some point, the Sabres should be a pretty good team, right? And Peyton Krebs, the guy they got in the Eichel trade, is a very good playmaking center. And they just don't have a spot at center for him right now with Dylan Cousins. Dylan Cousins really drives play very well. And at a young age, Dylan Cousins already goes out and plays against Sidney Crosby. Sidney Crosby never gets shut down against the Buffalo Sabres. He averaged almost two points a game in his career against them. He shut them down the other night uh, when they played the Penguins. Uh, he's also, as you know, with Team Canada last year in the World Championship, he was leading score, leading goal scorer in the tournament uh, and, and really started to blossom. And he maybe isn't going to be the Tate Thompson scoring 38 goals, but if, you're, if anybody's looking for a breakout player for the Sabres as a good two-way center, you know, he's got four goals this year so far and is, is really starting to blossom. Dylan Cousins is that guy. And, uh, you know, he's, he's been pretty much at center now in the world championship. He played wing on uh, Dubois' line, but so he can do both. But he's been at center for most of the time. The, the ones going back and forth are Krebs and Middlesat, because really with Krebs, he has centered the fourth line, but that's more of an energy group. Uh, you know, that's not his thing, the playmaking abilities that he has. So uh, he's a better centerman than he is winger, where Middlesat is just as good a winger as he is centerman. So it'll be interesting to see how that breaks down. And as you mentioned, they've got three centermen. They, they got Yuri Kulik with the 28th overall pick they got from uh, Florida for Sam Reinhardt. People were shocked he was still there. Uh, and he's a nifty type player. And, and people have really, really been raving about him already. Savoy's been great in junior. He's a, a very talented, skilled type of player. So they wound up getting him too. So, and that's not only the guys we're talking about up here, but it's the guys that haven't even been around. They got two number one picks sitting in Rochester right now. Isaac Rosan, who was taken in the same draft as uh, Owen Power. You know, he was taken uh, 13th over, I'm sorry, 14th overall. He's down in Rochester doing a good job. So 
you know, it's they really do have, have really started to acquire a lot of good young talent. Paul, with all that said, uh, where's the engagement and excitement level with Sabres fans right now? I know in terms of attendance numbers, they're low. They're drawing around just over 13,000 a night so far this season, still early days and everything. But we talked about this earlier. It's been a decade of futility for Sabres fans, and I know that it was frustrating and some of them checked out. I know the pandemic played a part as well, but it's also worth mentioning that they they thought that they were going to get out of this funk when the Eichel and Reinhardt and Ristolainen group was coming up. That didn't materialize. So now that there's all these great players, uh, young players uh, at the NHL level and in the system, where's the engagement and excitement level with Sabres fans right now? But those numbers are low, but they're hugely better than last year. Right. I mean, there were times. There were a lot of times last year. We're sitting in here with seven thousand people. This is Buffalo. That's not. I, I don't even remember seven thousand people ever. You know that that that's their. You know what you're getting here for the most time. They had their first sellout last game against the Boston Bruins this year. So they've been doing you know much better with attendance. And uh, the fans, this is the first time during the summertime I really felt excitement since maybe Breer and Drury were around. People would stop me, and they were talking in a positive fashion about the Buffalo Sabres. It's been a long, long time since that's been that way. So fans are starting to get excited about this group. And there's another thing that Kevin Adams has. He talked to the Bills the way the Buffalo Bills handled their business and became from a a team that was 17 years not being in the playoffs, what they are now. And Sean McDermott and Braden being told them they went and got good people. You need talent, but good people. Josh Allen, which you see on TV when you hear him interview, that's not fake. Josh Allen is a very, very good person. And that's what, that's what Kevin Adams is trying to get. He's looking for talent. But if you even indicate whatsoever that you want nothing to do with Buffalo or the Buffalo Sabres, you are not going to be a Buffalo Sabre. And he's looking for people that want to be here. He's looking for people that fans will be proud of in the community that get along. These guys, it's, it's, it's like a frat group. I mean, they, after practice, they head over to Darlene's to play video games, like nine of them. <laughs> you know, they're, they're just always together. And they, they really enjoy being together. And that's what Adams was trying to put together. Uh, but one more before I let you go. I know you're busy in your real quick, but I got to ask you because Jack Eichel just made his second return with the Vegas Golden Knights to Buffalo not too long ago, scored the hat trick. And I noticed his tone and demeanor were different. What's that relationship like with the fans? I know that they're still going to boo him. And uh, I just noticed that there was maybe a little bit of a change in terms of how Eichel handled it. But again, you talk about people that aren't in Buffalo anymore. Uh, he's probably the most notable one because he was there for a while. And now, of course, plying his trade with the Golden Knights. Well, Eichel's been back twice. Last year in March, he failed miserably. He played poorly, you know, ripped the fans afterwards, was just a complete baby. But this time, he, he won it hands down. Three goals and an assist in the third period alone. And, uh, you know, the, I have never in all my years heard a player boot as loudly and as long as he was. Even after his third goal, it never ended. It just never, ever ended. Uh, he is just despised around here now. You know, he had asked to be traded before his injury. That doesn't go over big with the fans. And then after what he said last year, after when he played here, that finished it. So, uh, yeah, I have never heard anybody booed or treated like that uh, coming back there. Paul, uh, thanks for doing this. I know you're a busy morning there with the morning skate and everything. So enjoy the rest of the day. Enjoy the game tonight, and we'll do this again uh, the next time we play the Sabres. 
Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Thank you. That's uh, Paul Hamilton here on Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650, uh, WGR 550 in Buffalo. I was not referring to we as the Canucks. Yeah, I was like, there, are, are you on the team now? Yeah. Good. it was just Man, a, you finally made it. I was like, yay, I'm on the team. Now I'm on IR. Hey, um, here's a question for you. Okay. When you hear about all the centers that the Sabres have drafted, and obviously they've spent two first overall picks on defensemen, right? Mm-hmm. Centers and defensemen, would you say those are the toughest to find in the NHL? Yes. Does it frustrate you at all that the Canucks have drafted so many wingers in the first round, or are you just in the party that believes you take the best player available, you don't worry about position? I mean, with the limited amount of draft capital that Canucks have had, I don't think it necessarily works to just say best player available, right? I but, agree with you. I agree. But I, I, yeah. I also don't agree with drafting for need when the draft eligible player is like four years away, right? Remember when they traded Jonathan Myrenberg mm-hmm. to to Boston? It was a, the most hilarious thing because Patrick Alvin's like, we like him a lot. He's five years away. I'm like, we might not even exist as a society in five years. So I'm not <laughs> if Myrenberg is a part of it or not. Then that's great, but five years is a long time. You know about my fear of anything beyond like yeah. a one or two year commitment, right? Well, like, I mean, it, it, it's funny and and maybe a little bit ironic and very Canucky in that when they did draft for need, they drafted Ole Ulevi. Mm-hmm. When in reality, they probably should have drafted Matthew Kachuk, but they felt that you know they got they Jake, had a they, they, they had, Ver, had Vertanen and they they needed defensemen, so they. Right. They took you levy, but I think big picture when I when I look at uh, you know even more recently like they took a winger Lekaramaki, fifteenth overall in the last draft. I know they only had a second round pick in two thousand twenty one. They didn't have a first, which is part of the problem in all this. Uh, they took another winger in, in Klimovich. Right. right. I think I think we're missing. And, I think we're missing the real topic of conversation here. It isn't how you use those picks. It's why do you not have enough of them? Because you mentioned Buffalo drafted, what, three centers? Yeah. Right? Do you know how many picks Buffalo had in the last draft? 11. Yeah. You can take six centers if you want at that point. You still got five other picks that you can fill at all the other positions. Mm -hmm. That's just basic math. The Canucks go in with a finite amount of picks every year. And again, they trade them away. Right. But if you look (laughs) at. To what end? To what end? I'm just going to say, do all rebuilds look the same? No. Do all rebuilds turn out the same? Absolutely not. But. There's certain things that you have to do just to give yourself a shot of being a competitive team. And one of them is, and it's across the board without question, there's no arguing it, you need to invest draft capital if you're not a team that's competing for a Stanley Cup. If you're the Colorado Avalanche, you can trade away first-round picks at the deadline to bring guys in because you're competing for a cup, right? And you brought up the Jason Dickinson a couple of deals. A team in Vancouver's position shouldn't be shipping out a second-round pick to get cap compliant so they can be one of the worst teams in the NHL. But they are. <laughs> God, the way you put that. But they are. So you have to say, well, there's a problem here. And there is. And again, don't compare yourself to Buffalo. Canucks fans out there, if you're driving to work and it's getting depressing, don't compare yourself to Buffalo. Buffalo's been crap for 10 years. Right, Buffalo has two first overall picks playing on its blue line right now, and the only reason you get those is because you're awful at hockey. Yeah, so it's it they've stays. somehow been through more than us. Oh, way more. They had seven. Yeah. Paul just said it. They had seven thousand people regularly yeah. at games. The last time they made the playoffs, I believe, was 2011. Like, don't emulate Buffalo. 
in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Aesthetically, stylistically, like they're here because they've been the worst franchise in the NHL for a decade. At least their city's nice. Have you been to Buffalo? <laughs> Did you ever tour through there in your music days? Come on, man. What? I'm familiar with Buffalo. Andy's comment. Oh, oh, you right. Hamilton's like Buffalo North, <laughs> right there. So, yeah, right. Yeah, we're right it's there. It's the same thing, but with the CFL team. So. Do they, are they like sister cities? Do you know how they have those official relationships? <laughs> I would say a solid twenty-five percent of the season ticket holders for the Sabers are from Hamilton or really? Southern Ontario. I'm not just saying this because Laddie's sitting there. Actually, I do like Hamilton. It's a nice town. What about Buffalo? You never been? Are I, you? No. You're not. Are what? How many places have you been to? If you think Hamilton's. <laughs> Well, no, Just I mean, being it's, nice to it, it's, it's fine. It's, I mean, I lived there for a few months. Did you? I, I, yeah, that's where we recorded our record. That's, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I lived there for three months. 10-11 so was the last year they made the playoffs, and 11-12 yeah. was the last year they were NHL 500. So yeah. I've been, it's been a long time. We it's were there. We were there for it was the draft that we were there for, correct? Yes, we wrote. There's like two taxis there, I think. Yeah, and we we got the same one. It was this van that had a hole in the floor, so you could see the uh, the, the the road. It's cool. Speeding by you, just <laughs> right by your right foot. It's called Buffalo Air Conditioning. That's <laughs> it's a nice tour, nice tour of the town. Yeah, They're showing like, you the I, best part of it. I really like the the rust in your van and and the rattling. Oh, the rattling! But I'm I just I, so speed I, holes. I, I kind of knew, like, geography-wise and proximity what Buffalo was all about. Like, it's in New York, but it's not really in New York. It's kind of this really isolated, weird place. I just, I assume that going there, and I think it's because I'm so inundated with sports, especially growing up, that I thought Buffalo was a big city because it had a football team and a yeah. hockey team. Yeah. It is definitely not. It's it's a small it's a small city. Yeah. It's a small city. Yeah. And it, it operates. You can like, tell it used to be something. Yeah. Very much. Right, and it's it now the, it's it's the ghost of a once fine city. Is what you're yeah, saying? it's not part of that Rust Belt. Great right? AAA stadium, though, for the Jays farm team. Yeah, and, and a key bank in the um, corresponding hotel and infrastructure mm-hmm. is great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then you get out of it, and you're like, I, like we would joke. Let's, let's that go if, back to the rink. Yeah, or to the airport. Really? <laughs> well, the that's, football stadium's not even in Buffalo proper. Like it's way out. Right. Yeah. And we we said yeah. like if in you, Orchard Park, which yeah. sounds nice. If you were ever going to bring a free agent there on they a have city tour, you bring them in at night. Right. I'm going to break it, it to you, Jason. Orchard Park. Not as nice as the name makes yeah, it. Yeah, no, it sounds nice. It's but are there terrific? Are there wild. orchards or is that just a, is that a lie? I'm we paved sure over the, the orchards <laughs> to build that, the stadium. That used to be. It's the parking lot now. Are you going to jump through this table or not? Not a lot, not a lot of citrus fruit, fruit being grown in like eastern or western New York. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. It's the Niagara region. Okay. There's tons of fruit. Captain Geography. It's like the wine area of in Ontario in that region. Yeah. In Buffalo? All, the great, all the great wines come from Buffalo. <laughs> Not Buffalo, exactly. But that area is, uh, the soil is very I love uh, those Buffalo wine and, tours. They're great. Right. And this one's made by Marv Levy. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and this one's made by Steve Tasker. If uh-huh. Gretzky can make a good wine. I think, then. I think you can. Is there a hint of chicken wing yeah. in this? It tastes like lighter fluid. It pairs yeah, very it well. Like. With, with... <laughs> All right, we got to go to break. We got to stop this Buffalo slander before we get sued. Just kidding. There's no lawyers in Buffalo. Uh, <laughs> there, there was one once. <laughs> he left. He, moved. he drives the taxi, oddly enough, in his spare time. Uh, he runs the one orchard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. The Sabres are better than the Canucks. Yeah, way better. Right? That's all we've got. Yeah. Okay. Uh, coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver is going to join us. Uh, we'll talk to him about tonight's game. I guess the Studnika news, in case you missed it, Jack Studnika placed on IR. I think that's five players now that are on IR for the Vancouver Canucks, so they'll be a little shorthanded going into tonight's game. William Lockwood has been called up from AHL Abbotsford. I can't imagine he'll be there in time for the game, but who knows? 
Maybe he was already on a plane last night. I have no idea. Drance will join us coming up, yes. Dexter, <laughs> the entire city of Buffalo needs to be taken to North Star Metal Recycling. <laughs> I have to do a recycling. And we've added it up. $7. Can you take a whole city to a recycling plant? I have to do a North Star read at the break. That's and perfect. Anything lying around your house, appliances, radiators, old Buffalo Sabres, you can take them all to North Star Metal Recycling. we got to go to break. We'll come back, Drance, and then we're going to do what we learn. That's the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.